I don't think this is a tough call. I mean, we are not sitting right on the fence. I can assure you that. Johns Hopkins professor Caleb Alexander and nine other members of a Food and Drug Administration's advisory panel unanimously opposed approving a controversial new Alzheimer's drug. The evidence simply isn't there at this time for this product. But on June 7th, the federal agency dropped a bomb. Major news out of the FDA today on what could be potentially blockbuster. The first new treatment for Alzheimer's in nearly two decades. What some are calling potentially the biggest drug of all time. Ignoring the shaky science and their advisors, the FDA approved aducanumab, now known as Aduhelm. Hours later, drug maker Biogen slapped a $56,000 a year price tag on it. Some patient advocacy groups rejoiced. The Alzheimer's Association has been waiting decades for this. It just gives us so much hope. That's all I ask for, just a little more time. Aducanumab's approval is sending shockwaves through the U.S. healthcare system. So, this week, we're bringing you a special series. Four conversations with people asking messy, difficult questions and reckoning with this moment. Today, part one, The Doctor. From the studio at the Leonard Davis Institute at the University of Pennsylvania, I'm Dan Gorenstein, and this is Tradeoffs. I'm Winston Chong. I'm a neurologist and an ethicist at the University of California, San Francisco. My main expertise is actually not in clinical trials or in FDA. It's just in decision-making and in how to communicate complex information to patients and families. How long have you been a doc? Hold on, I'll have to check my CV. <laughs> I've been in dementia either in training or, or since then as faculty since, uh, since 2010. What would you say, like, so generally, Winston, what kind of patients are you seeing and how would you characterize your practice? So one thing that we do have particular expertise in at UCSF is in non-Alzheimer's dementia, but I, I do see a lot of just your everyday garden variety Alzheimer's disease as well. Certainly a lot of my patients begin with mild memory symptoms, misplacing objects, getting lost, repeating themselves in conversation. As we know, it's a progressive illness. So as the disease continues, people begin having more difficulties with everyday activities, which could include simple things like feeding themselves, dressing themselves, using the toilet, taking a shower, things like that. And, and those are things that are very burdensome also for caregivers and families. Winston, do you have any patients in your panel right now that you would consider prescribing aducanumab to? So I have a patient coming in next week, and uh, this is a patient who would meet the enrollment criteria for the study. So this is somebody with very mild Alzheimer's disease. This is sort of the, the perfect patient, if there is one, for this drug. And even in this patient, I would not recommend that they take the drug, but I would want to listen to you know their values, uh, what risks they're willing to consider, and you know to think with them together about whether it would make sense for them. Winston makes it clear that he wouldn't even consider prescribing aducanumab right now to anyone other than patients with very mild cognitive problems, the people the drug was tested on in the trials. Even though the FDA's approval left the door open for doctors to prescribe the drug to pretty much anyone with any stage of Alzheimer's. When you meet this patient of yours next week, Winston, how will you describe or 
how will you explain the risks and benefits specifically knowing this patient's case? For me, you know, one thing that drives my thinking a lot is that when the FDA was considering this drug, they put together you know, this expert panel, as they always do, and this panel was unanimous that the company had not shown that the drug was beneficial. And I, I think that's an important place to start. And you know, more specifically thinking about this patient's case, we'd start by talking about what are the potential benefits of the drug. So we have these old drugs, uh, these cholinesterase inhibitors like denepazil that we've been using for 20 years that nobody's very impressed by. Even in the one of the two studies for aducanumab that seemed to show a positive result, the benefit was smaller than the benefit that we see with denepazil. And those drugs have much, much fewer risks. And so, yeah, it's conceivable that a given patient might you know, have a, a delay of certain negative outcomes by a few months, but it is just as conceivable that that patient is going to have uh, one of these really significant side effects. After the break, Winston walks us through those side effects from brain swelling to big insurance bills and the longer-term impact this approval could have. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back. This is part one of our special conversation series with people reckoning with the FDA's recent approval of a controversial and pricey new Alzheimer's drug. Today, we're talking with neurologist Winston Chong, who's walking us through how he'll be discussing the drug's risks and benefits with interested patients. So, Winston, before the break, you were telling us you'd caution your patients that it's very likely the drug side effects may outweigh its small benefit. What are those potential side effects? Sure. About 40% of people in the trials who got the full dose of drug had brain swelling or brain hemorrhage. Most of the time, this is something that we just caught on scans, but about 10% of people did have symptomatic headache, nausea, vomiting, uh, confusion, vision changes. Uh, These were significant enough in a reasonable proportion that they had to be pulled out of the study. This is also in kind of an ideal clinical trial setting. I think a lot of us have many concerns about whether the risk would be greater in a clinical population that's not as closely monitored. Is, is brain swelling and brain hemorrhaging a significant risk? Are, are these big problems? Or are these like, I, is this, I, like, I is this big, like nausea, but for your brain? You know what I mean? Like you get nauseous, it doesn't feel good, and, uh, but like it, you get over it? Again, in most cases in the trial, they paused the drug when they saw this and it went away. But there was about like one in 14 participants in the trial that had to be permanently removed from the trial. These trials are usually pretty conservative about excluding people. So, you know, it, it might be a much smaller group of people that really has to stop the drug. So I wouldn't be so scared of these risks that, 
you know, I consider them unacceptable if there was the prospect of a big benefit on the other side. According to a recent Kaiser Family Foundation report, some patients on Medicare could be on the hook for as much as $11,000 out of pocket every year for this drug. Do you think that you'd bring up the costs, the financial costs, the financial toxicity potentially for patients? I, I think that's a really tough question to bring into the room. For me, cost is a little bit secondary in that you know, Alzheimer's disease is a tremendously costly disease. It has such huge impacts, not just on the healthcare system, but also on patients and families. You know, people want to do everything they can. So, you know, if we had a $60,000 a year drug that really worked, I think that could be worth it. So in that sense, I would prefer to focus when I'm talking with patients and families on what I think the main problem is, which is just that the drug doesn't seem to help a whole lot. Biogen has listed the price for aducanumab at $56,000 a year. That does not include MRIs or additional out-of-pocket costs that might come with it. If you, Winston, were in charge of Medicare and had $56,000 to spend every year on every patient with early onset Alzheimer's or at high risk of it, what would you spend $56,000 on? Wow, this would be amazing to think about the things that we could do with, with those sorts of funds. I think that probably the, the, the biggest burden that we see is, is the caregiving burden. You know, so people have falls, people have undiagnosed infections, other things that lead to worsening of their Alzheimer's disease because their caregivers don't have enough support. So if we could pay caregivers a living wage, invest in community supports like you know day programs or respite programs that give caregivers a break, these are things that would prevent some of the other bad medical outcomes that, that hasten progression. As a doc, I'm curious how you think about the FDA on a day-to-day basis and whether or not this approval changes your perception of the FDA. I think that in this country, we've been fortunate in not having to think a lot about the FDA on a day-to-day basis. And I definitely couldn't stand here and say that everything they've done to this point has been right. But there's been a real benefit for clinicians and patients. And, you know, it is a really big burden to be having these individual conversations with patients and families where a lot of the things that we would ordinarily take as cues that the drug is beneficial. And I, I'd include the FDA, and I'd include the endorsement of the Alzheimer's Association, honestly. These are not, for us, really reliable cues anymore. I think this is something where it's really going to force us as clinicians, but you know, particularly patients and family members, to, to dig in and, and try to evaluate complex data that really we ought to be able to rely upon these regulatory agencies, these guardians, to be looking out for us. Since the ruling has come out from the FDA, what are conversations like between doctors who are treating patients with cognitive problems? I think that overall, we've been quite disappointed. I think a lot of us are very worried about what this means for both drug approvals down the line in terms of, you know, has this lowered the bar for the next set of treatments? And also, what does this mean for research? If we have this drug that's been approved and people can get, 
but we don't know whether it works, then how are we even going to study the next drug in terms of are we going to be comparing it to this drug? Are we going to be able to enroll patients in clinical trials if they're taking this drug? So I, I think as, as someone who I believe that the way forward for patients is by doing better science, this has been a bad week for good science, in my view. Winston, thanks a lot for taking the time to talk to us on Tradeoffs. Thank you. It's been great to have this conversation. We caught up with Winston a few days after this interview. He told us the patient who might have been a good candidate for Aduhelm decided not to take the drug after they talked through its risks and benefits. In several appointments, talk of Aduhelm left little time for Winston and his patients to discuss other priorities like support groups for caregivers and end-of-life planning. Finally, Winston has also joined a work group at the American Academy of Neurology to develop recommendations on prescribing, patient safety, and insurance coverage for Aduhelm. I'm Dan Gorenstein, and this is Tradeoffs. Join us tomorrow for part two of this special four-part series when we'll hear from an Alzheimer's patient. I'll be the first one to say it's selfish of me, but everybody wants to live as long as possible. Would you not say that? I would. And that's why we are where we are now. Next time on Tradeoffs. If you enjoyed today's episode of Tradeoffs, leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or whichever app you use. You can keep in touch with us between episodes by following us on Twitter at TradeoffsPod or sign up for our newsletter at tradeoffs.org. The Tradeoffs team is producer Ryan Levy, Chief of Strategy and Operations Jessica Silverman, Operations Assistant Jamie Song, Sound Designer Andrew Perella, and Senior Producer Leslie Walker. The Tradeoffs theme song was composed by Ty Sitterman. Tradeoffs is supported in part by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, Arnold Ventures, the Leonard Davis Institute of Health Economics at the University of Pennsylvania, West Health, the California Healthcare Foundation, and the National Institute for Healthcare Management. The views expressed in this episode are those of the individuals and not those of Tradeoffs staff, advisors, or funders. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.